Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. Uh, we're thankful for everyone that is joining us today. Um, and if you're coming in on the different platforms, there are a few different ways that you can interact with us uh, on our show today. So I'll go through uh, those things for us to talk about. Um, if you have uh, coming in on the Zoom app and you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about, um, you can submit those uh, questions and comments to the Q&A box or to the chat window, uh, and we'll be happy to address those uh, as they come in. Or if you're coming in on Scott's Facebook page, you can put those in on the comment window uh, there on Facebook, and I'll be monitoring those as we go throughout our show. Uh, and then if you have any questions or comments after the show, um, you can feel free to submit those to our website, BibleQuest.tv. Um, and we'll be happy to get to those uh, as they come in and uh, maybe our future shows um, as we get those coming in. So uh, thank you for everyone joining us. I'm Jonathan Sadler, the host. Um, we've got with me Dan Bunting. Uh, how you doing today, Dan? I'm doing all right. Good to see you. Good to see you, Dan. And our program director, Scott. How you doing, Scott? I am doing okay. But I'm going to have to stand outside because I didn't have a signal at the car. Okay, yeah, no problem, no problem. Um, so, Scott, what are uh, what are we going to be talking about today? All right, so I don't know what the texts are you guys picked out, but we're going to be asking Jonathan and Dan to speak to us each about a text that they find particularly meaningful that's not one of those most famous texts that we always think about. So like not John 3.16, everybody knows John 3.16, but there are so many texts in scripture that have such rich meaning. And sometimes we will read over a text and glide by and not catch something where somebody else that spent some time in that text or circumstances in life have brought them to that text have really thought about it. So I've asked uh, both Jonathan and Dan to just take us through one text that they find particularly valuable or meaningful. And who would like to go first? Well, we'll go alphabetical order. That would be D. <laughs> what, first name or last name? It's, it's DB. Yeah. Alphabetical order. Dan, how the winner, I guess. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. All right. Well, the as far as passages that I think one interesting idea about passages that are really well known, um, like John 3.16, uh, people have the phrase John 3.16 as memorized as they do uh, the, the text of John 3.16. And so there's something to be said about uh, passages and phrases that just really feel um, memorable. And the thing that jumped out at me as a memorable phrase is uh, one thing is necessary when Jesus is talking to, to Martha. And that's in Luke chapter 10. It's the story of Mary and Martha interacting with Jesus. And the whole passage is really um, just a great story that, that has a lot of meaning and uh, can send a person in a lot of directions of personal thought. But in particular, that line, but one thing is necessary, that always jumps out at me. So I'll just, I'll just read through the bit of the story. It's not very long. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through the end of the chapter, which is 42. <clears throat> I'll read that. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary who was at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. There's a lot of different ways uh, that even just the inflection of your voice can change uh, what emphasis uh, a person want to looks at in, in Jesus's words. Um, it, it, even just the funny thing about how he says, Martha, Martha, and it reminds us of the old TV, TV show, Marsha, Marsha. Um, I always thought that that was hilarious. I mean, there's just, that, there's just a lot of things in this story that, um, Martha, Martha. yeah, you know, that make out those connections. And I just think that that's kind of fun. So there's a lot in the story that adds to the storytelling um, that makes it something that you can um, you can remember whether you memorize it or not. There's memorable parts to it, uh, and, and just that idea. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Um, th that that's just uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, it's the distillation of the whole Sermon on the Mount mm -hmm. in, in one little phrase. Mm -hmm. I, I, Gardner Hall does a sermon on this text, and he he talks about the difference between good things and necessary things. Because mm. what's Martha doing? She's right. doing good things. I know. Doesn't the All Bible right. tell us to be servants? Doesn't the Bible tell us, you know, to be hospitable? Um, and so, you know, she's she's taking care of Jesus and the other people. Yeah. She's she's making some nice hors d'oeuvres or finger sandwiches or something, you know. And uh, but th there's something a little bit missing with the attitude of a servant that says, "Tell Mary to get up and stop listening to you and come help me because I'm having to do it all myself." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that that's really what is is so remarkable about this story, especially where it comes. I mean, it comes right after Jesus telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. But the real kicker there is it's not it's not about the Good Samaritan. It was about the lawyer who wants to know what do I have to do to inherit eternal life. And so the next person that Jesus interacts with is Martha, who's kind of doing the stuff that you do to inherit the, the eternal life. She's serving. Um, she's doing that. She's the Good Samaritan stopped when his life and took care of the, the injured person. Martha, whatever she had planned that day, you know, she was going to can apples and make applesauce. I don't know. She stopped all that to take care of Jesus and to take care of all these people. Uh, she's, she's in a lot of ways doing the very thing of the previous story. But, but that's what makes this story so special is that it it basically says, no matter where you are, uh, this is going to sound depressing. No matter where you are, you're never doing enough. That's the depressing way of saying it. But uh, no matter where we are in our journey, uh, how high we're reaching up to the, to the, to the ideals and the, the greatness of what God wants us to do, we need to remember that there are more things that we can do, more things that we need to do. It doesn't have to be depressing. You'll never get high enough. Well, rather, Harry's doing is listening to Jesus. There's an opportunity that day to listen to Jesus. And of course, we with the word always have the opportunity 
to listen to Jesus. But by the way, bonus points to Dan for squeezing apples in here, having having lost apple as being the fruit back in in Genesis two and three. <laughs> that we got it in there in the story of Mary and Martha. I think they're a good holy fruit. I think they're worth eating. There we go. And just to remind us also uh, of the special relation that Jesus has with both Mary and Martha. And All right. Just right. pulling that story for us a little bit. Well, we find that in uh, John chapter 11, when Lazarus is so extremely sick that the sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, they send a note out to Jesus saying, you get, need to get over here because he's, he's really sick. He's going to die. And they were right. He died. And Jesus delayed. He doesn't get there in time to save Lazarus from that death. And in that story, I think both Mary and Martha um, demonstrate tremendous faith. Um, and neither one is, is cooler or more impressive than the other necessarily in that story. But especially because we have this story where we kind of think, well, Mary's the good one and Martha's kind of the, the so-so. I don't know about Martha. Martha is the one who shines in John chapter 11 because, she, because of her tremendous faith. Um, she has words with Jesus that honestly, um, she's just speaking simple truth. If you were here, my brother would not have died, which is a simple statement of fact, but it's also a loaded statement. <laughs> it's not just a simple statement. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's a bit of polite complaint. If you had been here, he would not have died is is a bit of complaint but she says but nevertheless and and she's she still clings to jesus she still clings to her hope for her brother um i i think that that demonstrates how much faith she has is that she knew she could she could kind of complain to jesus and say look you didn't do what you so often do <laughs> but she she holds on to jesus anyways and and jesus just in a, in a matter of minutes um raises her brother from the dead just a little bit later and, and so it looks like this story here in Luke 10, I'm not perfect with uh, my, my uh, the, the, the timeline here, but I think that this story in Luke 10 occurs before the John chapter 11 story chronologically. Right, right. It seems to fit that way. She is focused on so many things. Uh, and Jesus says there's one thing. Right. Well, when her brother dies, you would think that that would be the one thing. And that's, that's the thing that would be on my mind. When my brother has died, I'm not thinking about the ball game. I'm not thinking about making dinner for people. Uh, but when Jesus comes to town, Jesus is the one thing. She doesn't throw away Jesus because of her brother being the most important. Right, right. I'm reminded of Peter when uh, uh, a bunch of disciples go away in John 6. And just many just go away. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says the 12 are you guys going away and peter who i don't believe understood everything jesus had just said either there in john 6 doesn't claim to understand but he says where would we go yeah got the words paternal life understanding and focusing on that one thing even when everything else doesn't make sense to us all right mm -hmm. uh we're about to go to jonathan and see what text he has on his mind but first, for those in the audience, uh, is there a particular text that you find meaningful? Maybe a text that some people aren't familiar with. Maybe a text that gets uh, uh, just hasn't been noticed for how, how rich and deep it is. 
if you've got a particular text that if you want to uh, type it in or write it in or, or, or uh, call in and Jonathan can do, tell you how to do those things uh, and mention what you'd like to bring up about a text, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, so Jonathan, why don't you remind people how they can get input uh, during the webcast and then tell us about the text you have on your mind. Yeah, so on the Zoom app, just quickly, you've got the Q&A box or the chat window um, on Scott's Facebook page. If you're coming in on that, you can just type in the, uh, the comment window there um, and we'll be monitoring that. Um, and then uh, if you have questions after the show or anything you want to submit to us later on, our website's biblequest.org. Um, and you can submit those questions and comments that you have there as well. Um, we got a couple of comments um, from uh, Alfredo. He said that we can also, relating to what we were talking about in Luke chapter 10, um, we can also die to self, our old selves, and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Um, and, and that's absolutely important. That's what we need to do. That's the one thing, right, that we've been talking about. Um, and like what Jesus says in Luke chapter nine and, and Luke 14 and various other places. So yeah, absolutely. And Alfredo, thanks for tuning in. Good to hear from you today. All right, go ahead, John. Uh, so uh, it's kind of challenging anytime someone asks you, um, what's your one verse that you want to, that you want to talk about? I think my one verse changes a lot and it depends on, uh, kind of what I'm currently reading, what I'm currently thinking about. Um, uh, because like what you said at the beginning, Scott, there's just so much, so much richness in the scriptures. Um, and the more that you read, the more that you dive into places that maybe you're not as familiar with, um, the more you, you start to find those kind of hidden gems that are there. There is one though, that I have consistently gone back to, um, over the last couple of years, um, that someone pointed out to me, um, and, and we talked through, um, uh, two or three years ago, and that is Proverbs 14, uh, in verse four, um, this is in the section of Proverbs where we're kind of in, uh, starting in chapter 10, Proverbs takes this shift from, uh, not really so much of a narrative style, but more of just kind of a sentence by sentence structure of different pieces of wisdom and knowledge. And often it'll compare foolishness to wisdom. Um, sometimes it'll just have phrases that are just their own separate kind of phrase, um, and this is one of the unique kind of constructed Proverbs um, in, uh, in Proverbs. So Proverbs 14, verse 4 says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Um, it's really kind of strange when you read it at first. Um, I remember reading it with this guy um, eight years ago, and I was like, what's going on <laughs> that's that's weird like that's not like any you can read all the proverbs around that and and really most any other proverb there's not going to be a proverb that's really similar in construction to this one at all um but i think the the truth that's here is really powerful when you think about yep. what's being said um the the point is there's two kind of different options so you put yourself in the position of like a farmer um and uh maybe the scenario is you have this new barn that you've built um, and, uh, you can go into your new barn and you can look at your new barn and think how great it is, how clean it is, how nice it is. Um, and, and you don't want to mess up your, your clean, nice structured barn. It smells nice. It smells good. Um, but you've also got a field that you need to plant your crops in and grow your crops and back 
you know, in this time period when Solomon would have written this proverb, um, you didn't have tractors, you didn't have all the all the machines that we have now, you needed animals, beasts of burden to help you with your farming and plowing, um, and, and that type of thing. Um, and so if you wanted to have a fruitful harvest, you wanted to have a a good harvest uh, after the after the planting and the working of the farm, uh, abundant crops is what the ESV says, you needed the ox. But if you got the ox, that means the barn's going to be dirty. Um, I grew up in, in high school working on a farm. And one of my jobs working on the farm was taking care of the horses. Um, and there are few things in this life that I despise more than cleaning horse stalls. <laughs> Um, they're, they're disgusting. They're, they smell terrible. They're a mess and they consistently mess up the stall over and over. Um, and, uh, anyone who's done any kind of farm work can probably sympathize with that. Um, but the point is you need to be willing to do a little bit of hard work and be inconvenienced to reap the benefits. Um, and there are a lot of different ways that we could say that a lot of different things we could talk about in places and areas of life that that applies to. Um, but, um, my mind immediately, because I'm, I'm a full-time worker in the kingdom, uh, an evangelist and trying to share, share the gospel with people. Um, there are going to be awkward and hard conversations that I'm going to have to have with people while sharing the gospel. And if, if I want to sow the seed of the kingdom, um, and introduce people to Jesus, I'm going to be uncomfortable in some situations. That's just how it's going to be. And you read Acts that's that's how the apostles felt <laughs> in some situations think about paul paul had a very uncomfortable life but was willing to do that for the sake of the gospel you think about like first corinthians chapter 9 where he talks about um how he gave up a lot of his rights for the sake of the kingdom how he became all things to all men for the sake of the kingdom um but this is that that applies to evangelism but it really applies to almost every area of life we need to be willing to do hard things or, or dirty things and uncomfortable things to reap the benefits. Um, and when yeah. I say dirty things, just to clarify, that, that does not mean this verse or anywhere in the Bible justifies doing sinful things for right. good. Um, Paul makes that, I think, really clear in Romans chapter 12. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't overcome evil with evil. Um, that's never the answer. Um, but there are times where we need to be uncomfortable put on the spot, give up our rights and those types of things for the good of the kingdom, for that abundant harvest. Illustrate that last point. The good Samaritan does a messy, dirty job. You know, here's a man beaten half to death and you're binding his wounds. That's a dirty, messy job. You know, mm -hmm. you're one reason maybe the priest doesn't wouldn't want to stop is he doesn't want to get any of that on him. Yeah. Uh, but there are people, <laughs> I heard about a church in Kansas that met in a strip club. The preacher thought this was a good idea. You know, I guess go where the sinners are. Um, there's a difference between doing what's difficult, doing what's hard, and helping sinners where they're at without partaking in what sinners are doing. Mm -hmm. You'll see people sometimes excusing bad behavior uh, because of that. Sometimes it's an excuse to engage in bad behavior. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed something here on both of these verses that relate to balance. So let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. And, and uh, 
here in, in this text where no oxen are, well, you, you have the advantage that the manger is clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're, if you're a kind of a lazy guy, farmer, and for years you have had to go to that, you know, barn and feed that oxen, clean up after that oxen, take care of that oxen, and you are just really tired of it. And, you know, oxen kicks the bucket uh, and he's dead. It's like, hey, <laughs> that just saved me a lot of trouble. <laughs> I don't clean up after him anymore. Yeah. yeah. But you have also lost the advantage mm-hmm. because of what the crops come by the strength of the ox. Mm-hmm. So I want to introduce the idea of balance here with, with observing two things. Um, it's good to have things that will help us, whether in our spiritual work or our physical work, and those things will take maintenance and sometimes involved us having to do those hard things and those unpleasant things. We can also get over our head with them. Uh, so coming back to Mary and Martha, you know, Martha's doing something good. If both Mary and Martha had been sitting listening to Jesus, that would have been wonderful. But at some point, somebody is going to need to make those sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, so you remember, is it in Ecclesiastes where it says that with the increase in wealth, so increases the number of those, you know, that you're surrounded with, that mm-hmm. you're having to provide for and take care of them. Do either of you remember how that's worded? Yeah, I think that's a proverb. I don't remember exactly where it is. So, sorry. <laughs> but you illustrate it with, uh, you know, you get to be a celebrity or you're doing real well in the NFL or the NBA. And you've got a whole slew of people that are traveling with you, you know, and you go to a restaurant and they all want you to pay for them. You know, you've got your, your crew. Uh, Solomon was really wealthy. And you remember it described how much, you know, how much livestock it took to just feed them. Uh, and it was tremendous. Um, and there are people today that get consumed because they keep getting possessions and belongings and then they become a slave to those. Uh, you know, you get your house, then you get your holiday house, and then you get your boat. Uh, nothing wrong with having a boat, but somebody described the boat as a hole in the water that's pour money into. And, and just the more possessions we get, if we're not careful, we get out of possession and, and they take us over. Uh, I remember one of them. Go ahead. That verse that you were talking about is, you're right, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 11. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has the owner but to see them with his eyes? One of the things that Bertina enjoyed and that I enjoyed about when we moved to East Europe, when the Berlin Wall went down um, back in 91, was we went over with a few suitcases and that was it. And for a year... I didn't have to worry about oil changes or, you know, tires or inspections or taking care of a lot because we didn't have a lot of stuff with us. And for a man now, I put a lot of miles on every day. And so I need a car, but we really, we need to keep in mind the difference between balances that are helpful and when they get out of balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think about the uh, relating to Proverbs fourteen four that you have both halves of them have a a good sort of thing. Like if you don't have an ox, you don't have to clean up after the ox. That's good. 
Um, if you have an ox, you get abundant crops. Um, and so the question really becomes in a lot of ways, what do you value more? Um, do you value a life where you don't have to clean up after an ox or do you value a life where you have abundant crops? Um, yeah. And I think kind of relating to that, um, it, it, Jesus's words in Luke chapter nine um, come to my mind where he says, you know, what, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Um, a lot of people live their lives with the whole world as their goal. Um, they want, they want to gain a lot of stuff, accumulate a lot of things. And that's the thing that's valuable to them. Um, but the question comes down to what is your soul worth to you? Um, uh, and, and what do you want to do with your soul? Um, that's kind of the, the direction that I think of with this proverb and with Jesus's words, um, you know, what's more important, um, comfort, ease, or hard things so that you reap the benefits and the promises that God has promised. Neither of you ever seen the illustration of priorities. It's done with a uh, tennis ball jar and marbles and tennis balls. No, I don't think so. Maybe we won't see that illustration. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Lost Scott right as soon as he was going to give us the illustration. So never mind. Uh, well, I, I have something I can jump in with while we're waiting for him to, mm -hmm. to, to get back up to speed. In, in Hebrews 11, there's just so many stories about people with faith and uh, the different things that they were promised and did receive or did not receive. And it's, it strikes me that um, one of the things that's really compelling, there's, there's two examples of people that had blessings and um, either didn't weren't supposed to keep them or chose not to keep them in um, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 by faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said through Isaac shall your offspring be named now, Abraham it says that Abraham believed that God could and would raise him back from the dead but but Isaac was the promised uh, child. Isaac is the blessing that he received from God. And then God said, now sacrifice him. Um, and, and we don't have Abraham saying, but this is mine and this is, this is what I want. Um, this, is the, this is the important or necessary thing. He, he, he listened to God and let God direct him. Um, and so I think it's, that's, interesting because Isaac was a spiritual blessing and Abraham got to keep him ultimately but even the spiritual blessing was um, was used as a test and then later on in the same chapter uh, in verse 24 it's talking about Moses by faith Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Mm -hmm. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Yep. I would say that Moses being saved by Pharaoh's daughter was a blessing of God, um, that growing up in that household, maybe even getting such a great education, you know, to be such a good leader. These were all uh, the good things from God. Mm -hmm. And Moses 
um, is turning them away, maybe because they had served their served their purpose. Um, they had done what they could, uh, and he was moving on to do the rest of God's work. I could very easily imagine telling myself, well, maybe if I stay in Pharaoh's household, I can be a good influence on them, and I can be, I can try to convert the household, or I can help my Jewish brothers and sisters from this position of riches and wealth and pleasure. <laughs> that he gave that up. Um, probably, there's nothing he could have done in that position. Mm -hmm. No matter how much I would try to convince myself, I, oh, I could do something good here. It probably would be a lie. Mm -hmm. And he gave he gave that all up. And so I, I think that those are neat examples of people who were able to see, uh, well, like Scott was talking about, that balance mm -hmm. and able to see what, what is actually necessary and what just feels necessary. Yeah. Um, I'm sure yeah. that Abraham really felt his son was necessary and even knew it from the position that God had promised him. But the willingness to sacrifice them by following after God demonstrates that that God is the one thing that's necessary, not just, well, I'll just say, I don't, I can't speak for Abraham, but I have a lot of his, uh, spiritual blessings, sisters and brothers in Christ, uh, in health, I, I'm in a house, I have the internet so I can speak with sisters and brothers on the internet. Um, I need to see that those are not the thing that is necessary, and, and Abraham was a good model for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think about, um, to relate into that, I mean, there are all kinds of examples, but in the, the words that were being used in Hebrews 11, reminds me exactly of the words that Paul uses in Philippians 3. He, he says basically the same thing. You know, I had all these things. This was my life. This is where I was. But in Philippians 3, verse 8, I counted all of that as loss for the surpassing yeah. worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Um, that's the necessary thing. And so anything else really kind of fades in comparison. Um, and, and that pressing on towards that necessary thing. Yeah. Um, Scott, we lost you when you were about to start talking about the tennis balls. I don't know if you wanted to revisit that or not. So I asked if either of you were familiar with the tennis ball marble illustration priorities. And that's right at the time my screen froze up. Yep. I asked, and you were both. <laughs> <laughs> we were waiting for you to start talking about it. And you just went. <laughs> So, so, uh, uh, I saw a fellow illustrated one time and he, he had a bunch of marbles and like, you know, three, uh, a tennis ball or something. And if you put the marbles in first, there wasn't room to get the tennis ball in. Uh, whereas if you put the tennis ball in first, the marbles fit around, maybe it was in a jar, the marbles fit around it. And the idea was you do the important thing first, mm -hmm. you know, put First things first, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. Mm -hmm. When we start with the other things, then sometimes we end out up leaving out the most important thing. Yeah. When you put the most important thing in first, let the other things fill in where they may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've just now seen that um, Boyd was helping us out in the comments on Facebook, um, typing up the, the image. So sorry about that, Boyd. I didn't see your, your comment explaining that illustration that Scott was giving. But yeah, I mean, Matthew 23, when Jesus has the problems with the Pharisees, um, or a lot of problems with the Pharisees, I guess, in Matthew 23, he says that you're tithing mint dill and come in and, and neglecting the weightier matters of the law. And he says, you should have done those things 
while not neglecting these other things, justice and mercy and faithfulness, you know, do the big things and the small things, but do the big things first. Um, so audience, audience, do you have a favorite verse that you'd like to share? One of many, uh, but one in particular you'd like to put up here for us to look at and think about, uh, or do you have some comments about some of these ideas of balance and perspective that these verses have been reminding us of? We would love to hear from you. So we got a few minutes here. Let's see if somebody from the audience will participate. Mm -hmm. And by the way, what did they win if they participate? <laughs> well, uh, we don't have a prize. <laughs> we don't have a prize, but but you get a sense of uh, you get a sense of participation and the uh, encouraging others. You're provoking others unto love and good works. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, the metaphorical participation trophy. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, while while we're waiting for that, just uh, a couple of things, some things that I'm thinking about while we're while we're doing this. Um, we started off by saying, you know, there are a lot of verses that are maybe the the popular verses. A lot of people know, maybe even um, people that don't even believe in the Bible know. You know, John three sixteen. You see it everywhere um, on sports teams and things like that, and um, and you know, Philippians four thirteen and and various other kind of uh, hot topic verses. Um, one thing that's come to my mind um, that I, I hope that this will provoke our listeners to do is to really get in and study and, and read the scriptures, not just take the snippets that you see in pop culture or whatever, um, but, but read the scriptures. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Um, and Hebrews 4, 12 says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between soul and spirit and joint and marrow and discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is powerful. Um, and, and there are powerful things that it says, powerful things that it can do in our lives. Um, and it's not just the, the hot topic verses. Those are powerful too. God so loved the world. Praise God that he gave his only son. John three sixteen is is amazing. Um, but there's more in the Bible than just John three sixteen. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, here's a really powerful verse. Uh, yeah, I think he was about to read Patrick's uh, comment. Um, so I'll, I'll get you, Patrick, um, where Patrick says, uh, Isaiah 53 uh, and verse 6, um, the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. And, and really, uh, that, that whole chapter, but that specific phrase in the last part of verse 6, um, Isaiah 53 is so powerful to see the what jesus actually did i mean it's a very clear prophetic prophecy about what the messiah would do when he came what the lord's servant would do and suffer um for mm -hmm. us and, and that phrase alone um that you know we had the iniquity we were due the punishment but god laid that on him on jesus anyway um i i personally i, I don't know how you can know that someone did that for you and not have a heartfelt response that provokes you to change and live for him. Um, and, and that's kind of the message of the gospel. Paul will do that multiple times. And, and looking at the mercy of God, based on the mercy of God, live your life as a living sacrifice for him. Look what he did. Um, so yeah, yeah, Isaiah 53, that's great. It, it's an amazing verse because uh, it is somehow uh, relatable in a lot of ways. 
um, even when it seems like it might not be. We all, all like, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I haven't messed around with sheep. I've seen sheep, but, but the imagery is something that 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 makes sense to me. All of us have gone our own way. We've gone. We've turned every one of us selfishly, and and that you can just start working through the the images and the feelings uh, of what that looks like and what that sounds like and what that feels like. And then um, that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, like all of that selfishness, all, you know, even just the choosing to do my own will today. I'm just going to be a little bit selfish today. I'm not going to go out doing really bad stuff. I'm just going to be a little bit selfish today. Yeah. Um, and, and he's taken all that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have, examples in 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 our stories and in the world and and then uh, we can think of stories of people who make sacrifices for their brothers com uh, bro comrades in arms and in battles and wars and people who make sacrifices for country or sacrifices for their family or sacrifices for their wife or their children we can see that we can we can envision that but this so the idea that all of our iniquity is taken on him like, okay i that makes sense to me I've seen people make a sacrifice before, but then when we think about, wait, but what does it mean that everything wrong I've done is on this guy's shoulders and everything wrong that you've done is on that guy's shoulders? All of a sudden, it, it takes us to this higher level. Um, it, it's neat how the verse can feel so simple and down to earth, like, like I know what it's, what it's all about. And then the more I think about it, the higher it lifts me up to the, to the divine call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to connect that that idea and that verse that Patrick brings up, Isaiah 53, to go to, to two other verses in the New Testament. When you think about the truth in Isaiah 53, and I get to Romans chapter five, and in Romans chapter five and verse seven, Paul says, one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. And, and that's kind of strange language, not how we typically talk, but what he's saying is people don't normally die for people. And the worse a person is, the less likely someone is to die for them. That's, that's what that right. verse is saying. And then he says in verse eight, but God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, that's when Christ died for us. That's when Isaiah 53 verse six happened. Um, and that transitions me later in, in the Bible to 1 John chapter three, one of my favorite verses that I had trouble not picking, uh, but now I get an excuse to bring it up. Isaiah or first uh, John chapter three, verse one, see what love, what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are um, yeah. because of what Jesus did. We go from wretched sinner, full of iniquity to child of God. Um, that's the end result of Isaiah 53. If we submit to him and follow his will uh, in that way. So yeah. Um, Sandra also brings up uh, another verse kind of relating to the power of God's word um, and one of my favorites again um, you guys are hitting on all of my favorites uh, in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 um, where the Hebrew writer says he talking about Jesus he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and that shows the power of, of the word um, John would make the connection in John chapter one, that Jesus is the word of God. 
Um, he's, he's the manifestation of God's word. And there's just so much power in what Jesus is able to accomplish. And one of those things is he upholds the universe. Um, he, he brought the universe into existence and he keeps it going. He upholds it by the power of his word. So yeah, great verse. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's, it's really exciting to think about that um, the universe began because words were spoken and we get to participate in that. Now I'm not, I'm not creating the universe, but, but I get to speak. I get to think about words. I get to learn words and I get to speak my own words. I get to read the actual words of God. I get to think about the actual words of God and then, and, and speak them aloud to others or teach myself with them. God, God lets us participate in his word. Uh, we don't get to write our own necessarily. Uh, we don't get to write and say, oh, I know God is saying this, but God gave us his word and he's inviting us to join in on that. Think about my word, God says. Um, he talks about uh, just a, a little phrase uh, when Paul is writing in Ephesians, I think it's in chapter three, about how when we read what Paul is writing down, we can perceive his insight into the mystery. And so God is letting us in by that word, the word that made us out of nothing. That's that very word that lets us then see into his heart. And, mm -hmm. and that's just a really exciting thing that we get to participate in. Yeah. Yeah. Going back a little bit in our conversation, Boyd um, mentioning, uh, I think back to the ideas around Proverbs 14, 4 um, said uh, assessing how things are going. Um, it's in, when, when assessing how things are going, it's important to remind yourself of what the objective is. The point of the farm is the harvest. The point of preaching is to convert souls and help people to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so he quotes Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God. And, and Luke 12, 34, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And makes the observation busy doesn't always mean progress towards the objective. And yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Good points for you. Well, that's that's similar to one of the other passages I was I was thinking about in, in Matthew chapter six. Oh, Scott said we're only allowed to do one, Dan. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, you 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 already threw in a few extras of yours. So there you go. That's fair. There you go, right back at you. Uh, yeah, in, in chapter six, um, verse twenty-two, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, or the older translations, I like the way they word it. If your eye be single. And so if we have a healthy eye, um, your whole body will be full of light. Um, if our eye is single, I mean, we have two eyeballs, but if, they, if their look is single, if their look is healthy, if, if, if what we see is a, is a single sight, um, and that, that kind of speaks to the, to the, you know, what's the point of the farm? It's the harvest. And um, if, if we think that the point of the farm is to look good and the point of the farm is to get some vegetables and the point of the farm is to uh, live off the grid and stick it to the, there's all these other things that we can start throwing onto the concept of a farm and we, we'll lose it. We, we will lose the objective. Our eye is no longer single where our eye is unhealthy and we start filling up with darkness. Now that, that's what Jesus is trying to say. Um, there's a lot of things that happen on farms, but, if, but the, there's one objective. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of even physical blessings that we get when we team up with God, when we, when we make him our father and we, uh, you know, appeal to God to be his child, we get a lot of physical blessings. We, there are things that, that seem to go right in our life, but that's not what the objective is. Mm -hmm. um, that's just part of the reality. 
because there's also going to be a lot of physical hardship because of that, um, mm -hmm. our alliance with God. There is going to be a lot of challenges and difficulties because we are submitting to God. Mm -hmm. And um, if, we, if we miss, uh, if, if we mix our, our objectives, if we forget that the farm is about the harvest, then, then we can really get ourselves full of darkness and, and full of confusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time. So I'll just reiterate one more time. Um, what at least I hope that this has helped us to do and, and our audience to do is to see um, Bible study is fun. <laughs> it really is. It's, it, it's, it's so rewarding to get into God's word and really a blessing that God's revealed his word to us and, and his mind to us to see all these things. Um, and, and so don't just take the little snippets of scripture that you may see uh, on social media or in culture or on, you know, sports teams, you know, face paint or whatever. Those are great. And we, and we need to also read those and think about those and meditate on those verses. Um, but get into the entirety of the word, all scripture, um, and start finding those blessings there. Um, and, and if we can help you doing that along the way, um, those of you in our audience, um, that, that's why we're doing the show. We love to talk about the Bible. We love to answer questions in the Bible. And so if you have more questions about things you may, you may come across in your study, um, you can submit those to us. Um, again, BibleQuest.tv or BibleQuest.org. Um, and we'll be happy to get to those in our future shows. So uh, thank you for uh, joining me, Dan. And we'll say thanks to Scott, even though he can't hear it. Um, and we will hope to see you all next week, Lord willing. Sounds good. God bless.